Welcome to Manufacturing Talk Radio, the only show that takes a look at the obstacles and opportunities open to small to mid-sized enterprises to manufacture here in America. Brought to you by All Metals and Forge Group, with your hosts, Tim Grady and the wife. Hey, guys. Hey. Welcome, everyone, to Manufacturing Talk Radio. We are real excited today to have a, a guest from Maypie, who we will introduce in a moment. Um, this is a show that Lou and I have been kind of gnashing at the teeth to get to because we wanted somebody on the show who could give us some futures information. So, Lou, you have the guest today that we've been waiting for for almost a year. Um, first, we're going to do our postscript of uh, last week. Uh, we'll just uh, keep our guest uh, in suspense for another moment or so. Uh, last week's show, we had uh, Pat Lee, who's the marketing director of uh, Fabrication and Machining Association, the FMA, and uh, she's also the managing uh, marketing director for ManufacturingDay.com, uh, which is a huge event that's going to happen October 3rd, and uh, the actually the news part of uh, my segment here is that the news is that we're going to do a special show on October 2, and we're going to have the three top folks from the three main sponsors of ManufacturingDay.com. This is an event where they expect to have 1,500 events throughout the United States where uh, students and uh, mid-20s will be able to go through walking tours and such through manufacturing plants. Uh, schools will be open, uh, uh, town halls will be open to discuss manufacturing, and this is where the expansion of the manufacturing sector in this country is going to come from. It's not coming from D.C., it's going to come from within. And uh, these folks came up with a brilliant idea of uh, promoting uh, ManufacturingDay.com, and this is the third anniversary. And uh, we, Tim and I, are proud to be involved with them, and we're going to be running this special show on that Thursday, and October 2. And actually, it's going to be our first 90-minute show. Uh, Tim, take it back. Take it away. Yes, we're uh, real excited about ManufacturingDay.com. And if you folks are thinking about hosting an event, please go to their website, MFGDay.com. If you'd like to attend an event, you can also find out what events are happening across the country. And if you'd like to share a story, and by the way, when Pat Lee was on our show, she indicated to us that even if your event is not on the day, Manufacturing Day, list it nonetheless, because people are looking for events that they can go to. There's a, a lot of excitement of communities wanting to get involved in manufacturing and see what the new manufacturing looks like. Now, for the... For our guest today, I would, I'm very excited to introduce Dan Mextra. Uh, Dan is Vice President and Chief Economist uh, with MAPI, and that's the Manufacturing Alliance and Productivity Institute. If I got it right, Dan, correct me if I'm wrong. Did I get that right, Dan? Yes, uh, yes we just go by MAPI, but it's the uh, Manufacturers Alliance for Productivity and Innovation, uh, and I'm uh, member, I, I am. Uh, I work for both Maypi, the corporate uh, for the the parent, and for Maypi Foundation, which is a research affiliate of uh, of Maypi. And what then is 
Maypie, if you would, please. Uh, Maypie was formed in 1933, so during the Depression, uh, and we we are a nonprofit uh, organization where our main focus is executive development and uh, economic research. So in terms of economic development, uh, we coordinate, uh, we call executive councils, uh, uh, which is an invitation-only councils where uh, the members of these councils are drawn from our membership of uh, about 320 U.S.-based large multinational corporations. And they're in various functional exec, uh, uh, functional areas, uh, corporate uh, functional areas. Uh, and they, the members get together for twice a year for roundtable discussions. Uh, it's a really a peer discussion group where they share best practices within these functional areas. Uh, in addition to that, we do, ish, we do hold uh, issue forums on uh, topical issues that is not limited to uh, to, uh, just to the council members. It's, it's more open to the general mem- membership. So, for example, in the, last, the next couple conferences or uh, issue forums are going to be on conflict minerals, cybersecurity, social media, product management, intellectual property, uh, women's leadership, etc. So, um, uh, it's a, uh, basically, again, executive development. Um, and we're not a political lobby, so uh, we're, our focus is, the, is serving uh, manufacturing executives. And the foundation, which is an affiliate of MAPI, uh, basically does the research. We uh, analyze global manufacturing. Uh, we provide forecast and policy analysis uh, for the U.S. and various regions of the world. Let me ask you this, Dan, um, to be a member uh, in order to get the information that you folks generate and research and so on, do you have to be a member? And if you do have um, to be a member, what does that take? To, to, be, to participate on the council program, you have to be a member, yes. But for the, uh, what we're talking about, the economic analysis, the, um, the, the foundation work is, is a, has a public purpose. So um, we do provide all our uh, research basically to make it uh, publicly available for free uh, on our website, uh, which is uh, www.mapi.net, N-E-T, uh, so it's .net, N-E-T, backslash research, and uh, you can uh, get our latest forecast and analysis uh, uh, from the website. Excellent, excellent. Uh, Dan, I see your areas of expertise are economic indicators, employment trends, global competitive for US competitiveness for US manufacturers, industrial economics, macroeconomic conditions. You know, we've heard a lot from people who either email us during the show or after the show because we've been talking for the last 6 months about a very upbeat economy and some of them have sent in messages and said, "Where are you getting that information from? We're not feeling it." So To you, Dan, why is the pace of growth in the economy slow relative to to other cycles in in manufacturing? Um, I think you first have to separate manufacturing from the general economy. So manufacturing is actually growing faster than the general economy um, Mm, in this, this, um, uh, well, I guess we have to separate expansion from recovery. Uh, So... 
the the generally just kind of give you a, a background. The general economy uh, during the 2008-2009 recession fell four percentage points in in real what are called physical volume. So the physical volume activity fell from peak to trough uh, over 18 months fell four uh, percent. Um, now and and the general economy recovered fully recovered. Which recouped all that four percent that was lost of physical volume by September of 2011. Uh, the for the manufacturing sector, uh, production fell 20 percent in physical volume, 20 percent from you know from the peak to the trough over 18 months. And just in July of this year, July 2014, manufacturing production got back to where it was before the recession began back to the December 2007 level. So there's there's two things going on. The, the um, recession was four time, or five times worse in manufacturing. Uh, so the reason manufacturing is growing faster than the general economy is because it's recouping what was lost. So it's, it has to grow faster because it lost 20% of production versus the general economy, which only fell 4%. So uh, there's good news and bad news. The good news, manufacturing is growing faster. The bad news, it's, it's coming out of a much deeper hole and, um, uh, and, there, and has not, and just now after, uh, uh, what has it been, five years, uh, over five years, it's just now uh, recovered. So, uh, Dan, it's uh, an interesting point you brought up, and I, I have a, a homebrew story to support what you're saying. Uh, as you know, we are a, a forging manufacturer of open-dive forgings, uh, and we sell into the uh, manufacturing and the heavy industries and mining and oil and gas and so on. And uh, you're right. The last uh, Ju July of 2007, we had a record month. And in this past July, we matched that number again. And it, came, it has gone into that trough and back up, and it's July 07 and July 14 that we also now saw this major upswing in our business. And thrilled yes. to see it. Right. So um, the reason why the general economy is growing at such a uh, modest rate is that uh, – you have to again go back to past cycles. Well, what drove the last two cycles, or three, maybe three cycles? Well, it was it was spending more than you earned. In other words, it was debt based. It was it was based on credit, and particularly this the uh, the last cycle from the dot com. You had the dot com boom, mm -hmm. uh, where you had a, a excessive buildup of, of investment, which is was debt driven, and the uh, and the, that was the two thousand one recession, and then two thousand eight, two thousand nine. It was a housing uh, debt boom where uh, people were basically borrowing on home equity. So the, uh, the price would go up to their home. They could get more home equity loans. Uh, so they, they uh, used home equity to spend more than they earned. Uh, spend more than you – know, so it's, it's basically you spend more than you earn, and you keep ramping up the level of debt. And that's not only for individuals, but corporations were doing it. The government was – it was exploding in debt, as right. you, as you know, um, and uh, so we were just we created an environment where spending was greater than uh, than uh, than income, and you could do that as long as you could handle the load 
of higher debt payments. And that, as you know, this whole the whole house of cards collapsed uh, in 2008, uh, so that houses really weren't worth what you know that, what they were asking for. That uh, people couldn't really afford to make those kind of payments. And the, and the banks had had. Uh, the, the mortgage companies were stuffing, and, and the banks were stuffing people with credit, so that they the only way you could keep the, the house of cards going was to give people who were less and less credit worthy more and more credit. That's exactly what happened, uh, and so the, the loans were you know, worthless uh, when when they you know, when the prices started falling. Uh, a substantial amount of homeowners went uh, who were who had mortgages went uh, underwater. And you know, you know the whole story from there. So now we come out of this. Uh, we're in a period of, um, of, of deleveraging, uh, that people are not willing to go into debt uh, like they did before. That they, they couldn't if they wanted to because the banks are not willing to lend uh, because they're now under much tighter constraints than they were. They have got capital requirements, that, uh, increased capital requirements that they have to meet, uh, and they're very risk adverse. So. Basically, we're in a situation that you might call normal, that where it's, uh, you know, growth is based upon income. It's you, you earn income and then you spend it, and that's where you get the growth. So it's, it looks like it's slow, but it's only slow because the past cycles were hyped up by credit. So and then, then uh, taking everything you just said, bringing us up to the moment, uh, give us uh, your thoughts on the uh, forecast for uh, 15, uh, 16, or how far out you want to be able to see past the horizon. Um, for the general economy or for manufacturing? Manufacturing, typically. Okay. So um, manufacturing has recovered, but it's recovered in different ways. And, uh, so not every industry has recovered at the same pace. Uh the, there's, there's several kind of growth themes. Uh, I, I really begin with some kind of growth themes in manufacturing. So uh, in the consumer side of manufacturing, the, the growth theme is uh, consumer durables and housing supply chain. So what I mean by that is um, we have seen a recovery in housing activity uh, in housing starts. So we expect housing starts to increase 10% this year. And we expect them to increase about 30% next year and 18% in 2016. So that sounds like you know huge percentage gains, but you got to remember that it's coming out of depression levels. I mean, literally depression levels. Uh, so this year we'll get just a little over a million starts. A typical year, average year, would be about 1.6 or 1.7 million starts. So. You know, put it in that context, it's very low, but it's growing. So that growth generates demand, and, and for housing, it creates the it ramps up the the near dead housing supply chain. So the, the wood products industry, logging industry, uh, furniture industry, um, you know, various types of uh, appliances that go into housing, uh, it start restarts that that whole supply chain. And then consumer durables uh, is primarily, uh, I'm talking about uh, appliances, uh, furniture, but particularly uh, motor vehicles. So uh, motor vehicles uh, actually came back very quickly 
uh, in this uh, in this cycle. Uh, they, it was almost what you call so-called normal rebound in motor vehicles. They were very uh, they were hit very hard during the recession, but they came back very quickly. And it's the, just the fact that you can only postpone uh, 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 buying a car for so long. There was a, demand is growing, population is growing. There's pent up demand uh, when you go through a session like that. And now that pent-up demand is being satisfied. Uh, people just couldn't afford to repair their car anymore. It broke down. They had to replace it. Uh, job growth has picked up, so uh, more people working. And how are you going to get to work if you don't have a car? So you get to buy cars. Uh, so we're seeing a, a fairly strong, uh, and particularly strong in the last couple of years, a rebound in motor vehicles. So we expect a 7% increase in motor vehicles in part production this year and a 5% increase 2015, and then no change in 2016. And um, in terms of sales, uh, we're looking for uh, 16.3 million units uh, this year um, and 16.8 million units next year, and then 17.1 million units in 2016. So um, that that build-up build of the automotive market uh, is, a, is a big growth driver for the consumer side of manufacturing. Uh, in terms of the investment side of manufacturing, uh, there's several other growth themes. Uh, one is the en energy infrastructure. Uh, as, as you know, uh, this uh, unconventional oil and gas production in the United States is is booming. Uh, that that has that requires pipelines. It requires pumping, you know, uh, compressors and pumping stations. It requires uh, uh, the the railroad tank cars to move it. Uh, it, it just basically, the, now we're talking about exporting LNGs. The, the, there's a number of new terminals that were converted, that are being converted from import terminals to export terminals. So there's a whole infrastructure being developed for the energy market, and that's, that helps manufacturing, particularly for uh, engines and turbines and drilling equipment. Um, uh, they, they, and, and other types of uh, uh, equipment that involved in, the, in this energy infrastructure. Uh, another th investment theme in manufacturing is, in, is investment in factories. So uh, we see we're going to see uh, metalworking machinery production up seven percent this year, eight percent next year, and five percent in 2016. And these are all physical volumes, so this doesn't uh, this doesn't include any inflation. Um, industrial machinery uh, should be up 9% this year, 9% next year, and 5% 2016. So a real strong push for investment in machinery used within manufacturing. Uh, to, and the reason for that is capacity utilization is, is just is back up, uh, essentially back up to what it was before the recession began. So utilization rates have picked up pretty quickly. What is um, that rate now, now then? You know uh, the utilization rate, uh, factory operating rate is, uh, is uh, 78% right now. At the peak, it was 79%. So uh, we're, we're within one percentage point of the previous I knew, peak. I knew we were close to that number. Yeah, but the, the main reason why it's not actually exceeding that is because there's a lot of excess capacity in aerospace. And, and that's a temporary phenomenon because Boeing had some supply problems you know, the battery problems with our 787, et cetera. And they're slower to ramp up production than they had projected. So there's a lot of excess capacity 
in aerospace that will be used up very quickly in the next couple of years. So if you if you take out aerospace, the utilization rate is already above the previous cyclical peak. The aerospace, um, uh, the, the aerospace trade uh, combined worldwide, Europe, China, and the U.S. over the next 20 years is going to be building somewhere around 48,000 commercial aircraft. Uh, of which 20,000 of that will be built by China in 10 years. And it's going to take us 20 years to turn out almost the same numbers. So they're doing something that we should probably look at in order to get our, you know, the, the cash flow certainly, be, certainly would be a lot better if we did it in 10 years than 20. But uh, yes. yeah. the good uh, news is that the aerospace is, come, will be coming on strong. Dan, when we come back from a commercial break, we are. I'd like to ask you about the general economy as well and uh, get your input on that. So let's take a quick commercial break, and we'll be back in a moment with Dan Maxtroff on Manufacturing Talk Radio. When you use the Premier Rewards Gold Card from American Express, the rewards points can keep on multiplying. Buy three with triple points on airfare. Buy two with double points on gas and groceries. And a single point for pretty much every other dollar you spend on the card. Then, start choosing from over a million rewards to redeem all those points. Apply today and the annual fee for the first year is on us. Call 1-800-AXP-GOLD or visit axpgold.com. The annual fee for the card is $175. See terms, conditions, and restrictions at axpgold.com. American Crane and Equipment Corporation in Douglasville, Pennsylvania, is a leader in specialized cranes, hoists, and material handling equipment for industries including aerospace, nuclear, oil and gas, transit, construction, and waste handling. Call 877-877-6778 or visit AmericanCrane.com. That's AmericanCrane.com or 877-877-6778. All Metals and Forge Group is an ISO 9001 AS and EN 9100 manufacturer of open die forgings and seamless rolled rings in alloy, carbon, stainless and tool steels, aluminum, copper, titanium, and nickel alloys. Visit us at steelforge.com or call 800-600-9290. We're back with Manufacturing Talk Radio, and we're talking with Dan Mextroth, who is the Vice President and Chief Economist with Maypie. Uh, Dan, before we went to break, I mentioned that I'd like to get your feel for the general economy and what that looks like for the next several years. Can you share that with our listeners? Well, let me finish uh, a few growth themes, and I'll give you the forecast for manufacturing, and then we'll move on to the general economy. I Just okay. a couple more main themes should be aware of. Uh, one is the transportation theme that if you look the outlook for this year and next year shows a substantial increase in transportation equipment uh, production so whether it's motor vehicles trucks heavy duty trucks or aerospace or railroad equipment or even ships it's all going very rapidly and and it's basically building up this this um, uh, replacing the transportation equipment infrastructure that's been postponed for uh, you know, for the last five or six years. Uh, so that's a, a big growth theme. And then the, the last uh, major growth theme is the medical care issue where, um, 
medical equipment. Medical uh, equipment is growing at a very rapid rate just because of the demographics of aging in the United States. That not only Obamacare, but just the demographics of uh, the baby boom population, which I'm right in the middle of, um, or beginning of, uh, is aging and eventually retire. And it's, unfortunately, as you know, the older you get, the sicker you usually get. Um, so uh, those those are the themes that are, I think, driving manufacturing over the next couple of years. So overall, we're forecasting um, 4% growth in manufacturing production this year and 3.6% uh, growth in manufacturing production in 2016. Uh, excuse me, 3.4% uh, growth this year, uh, 2014, 4% in 2015, and 3.6% in 2016. Okay. So uh, 3.4, 4, and 3.6. So um, moving to the general economy, so to put those in perspective then, uh, just right off the top, uh, GDP or gross domestic product, which is a measure of physical volume, just like industrial production is. Uh, so industrial production is going to grow 3.4% this year. We expect GDP to grow 2.2%. So manufacturing will grow 1.2% uh, faster uh, than the uh, growth of the general economy. Next year, we're looking for 4% growth in manufacturing production, but 3% growth in the general economy. So manufacturing is growing about a percentage point faster. And in 2016, we expect 3.6% uh, growth in manufacturing production and 3.3% growth in the general economy. So manufacturing is growing uh, three-tenths of percent faster. So uh, manufacturing is growing faster than the general economy, but eventually when you get to 2016 or 17 and beyond, it, it probably will pretty much converge uh, with the growth of the general economy unless we have what some people are calling the manufacturing renaissance or revival or you know, whatever you want to call it, uh, kind of a fundamental shift um, in, in the economy's uh, share of manufacturing. And what have you been hearing on that, uh, in that area, Dan? Because we've been talking to a number of people in manufacturing, guess is about 11 point something or 12% of the economy. Do, they, do you expect that number to grow towards the teens? Um, well, uh, I, my definition of a, a renaissance or a revival is that uh, you, we would go from uh, a little over 12, 12.2% to uh, something like 15.5% uh, or 16% of the economy, which is what we were in the mid-90s, about 16% of the economy. So to get back to the level of production or level of share uh, that we had of the, econ the general economy, uh, as we did in the mid-90s, uh, you know, sometime in the future, that, that really would be a renaissance. However, it, it's very difficult for me to see that happening. Um, the, the, the main, or the, what you hear most about uh, is, well, there's several facts. One, one is the pure, uh, pure uh, competitiveness, uh, increased competitiveness in the United States, which is true. Um, if you look at the factors, you know, labor costs in the U.S. has been virtually flat for the last 10 years, while it's been going up in other areas, other countries in Europe, and particularly in Asia and China. Um, the uh, it's old transportation cost issue, the more expensive energy is, the cheaper it is to produce domestically rather than 
then uh, outsource um, the, um, the, uh, the the fundamental uh, lar- the, the demographics we have of, of a l- extremely large uh, mature market uh, the um, uh, the energy uh, advantage we have because of unconventional natural gas and oil uh, where we we've, we're, uh, there's a number of industries that will that use that as a feedstock and will have a substantial competitive advantage versus other other uh, regions of the world. So there's, there's lots of reasons, and, and this whole disruption of supply chain we've seen in the last five years because of natural disasters uh, make what you think would cause companies to buy domestically rather than foreign to re- reduce the the uh, reduce the uh, supply chain, or to really have extended supply chains, they have a shorter supply chain. Uh, so those are all true, all all very positive for the United States, but uh, it's probably just enough to keep uh, manufacturing share of the economy from falling. In other words, uh, it has historically fall, fallen, uh, and over the last 30 years, it's been drifting down, and I think these competitive issues will cause it to uh, to level out, uh, maybe increase a little bit uh, as a share of the economy, but it will not cause a renaissance in itself. Uh, what you need for a renaissance is you need to be able to balance the trade deficit in manufacturing. So we run a, a, a $450 billion trade deficit in manufacturing. Mm. And <laughs> and that's uh, and our value added in manufacturing is about $1.2 trillion. So it's it's a huge, you know, it's a huge share of manufacturing that where we're running this deficit, and uh, to, to you know, we don't have to run a surplus, but we need to close the gap substantially to basically run a run a, 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 a no, you know, a, a net trade balance. So go from a negative 450 to zero. If we would do that, we would have a renaissance. Let me ask you this, Dan. Uh, from where you sit, and obviously you sit in the, in the place where you see all the numbers from 30,000 feet and have a very clear, uh, cohesive understanding of it, uh, are, are, you, are you of the belief that, one, that reshoring is happening and nearshoring is also happening? Yes, it is happening, but... In the scheme of the flow, in other words, it's it's just not – there's a flow that goes on, openings and closings every day, every hour. And in the scheme of it, the number of openings because of reshoring or nearshoring is virtually insignificant compared to uh, in the flow. So, uh, yes, it's it's a positive thing. What it has done is – Instead of the number of factories falling, which it has steadily fallen, the number of factories have steadily fallen since uh, 1997 uh, up until basically late last year. Uh, and then late last year, it's flattened out. The number of factories in the United States has flattened out. So uh, I think it's, it has a, has a positive effect and it has stopped the, out, uh, the, stopped the closings of factories, stopped the the, the total number of factories from falling, but it hasn't turned the curve up uh, such there's more factories than there were a year ago. Uh, but 
so I, I think it is a positive effect, but it's, it's not it's not it's not going to cause the renaissance. It's it's not going to be it's not going to be the reason that manufacturing share rises uh, in the future. Uh, and and fundamentally, I mean, this, we're talking about fundamentally the same thing because the reason for nearshoring and reshoring is that you're not going to buy uh, imported goods. So, <laughs> if if you uh, if firms, if the big multinationals, if their purchasing departments said, okay, well, we're going to we're going to try to to buy domestically rather than low-cost country source, um, you know that would be enough. I mean, that would cause the trade deficit to shrink to nothing very quickly. <laughs> it would shrink very quickly. Uh, we, we would have a, a boom in capital investment just to build the, the capacity to produce. However, you look at the share of the import share of total consumption of manufactured goods, it's 38%. 38% of all goods, manufactured goods consumed in the United States is imported. So that you could get a scale of what would, ha what would happen. Uh, and that would, that would just create a huge capital investment in manufacturing if, if, if we could shrink that. Uh, so my okay. answer is uh, reshoring and uh, nearshoring has helped stem the decline in manufacturing plants, but it has not caused a revival. And, Dan, in order to get that revival going, would it not require a good deal of business investment, which does not seem to be growing fast enough? Uh, that's, that's true. And um, it's, it's somewhat of a, a mystery why it's not growing faster. It is growing pretty rapidly for investment in manufacturing equipment spending and from in manufacturing plants. But most investment is not for manufacturing. It's made in manufacturing but most investment goes to other sectors of the economy. So, for example, construction machinery goes to the construction firms. Well, actually, it goes through leasing firms, which is in the financial sector, then the construction firms. Um, engine turbines go to utilities for turbines, and, um, uh, and uh, engines go to, to the, uh, the trucking companies, transportation sector. Agricultural equipment goes to farmers. Uh, drilling equipment goes to the mining industry. Um, Heavy-duty trucks goes to the transportation industry. Medical equipment goes to the to the uh, healthcare industry. Aerospace goes to the uh, to the airlines, the, the uh, uh, airline industry, which is you know the um, so that that's uh, the transportation industry and airlines. Uh, Shipbuilding goes to the you know goes to transportation. So these are all all these types of uh, investment go to other industries rather than manufacturing. Um, so it's basically, you know, it's based on the growth of the general economy, which is, I wouldn't call it sluggish, but it's moderate. Uh, growth of the general economy is moderate. And it's just not generating enough demand for a capital spending boom. Uh, but on the other hand, when you, if you think of the factors that would lead to a capital spending boom, they're all very, all very positive. So the uncertainty about economic policy has dropped dramatically uh, with the uh, with the uh, uh, resolution of the fiscal cliff and the, the uh, fact that the, the politicians promised not to shut down the government any again and that they promised not to default on the debt. <laughs> um, the age of equipment, uh, we know we know that the age of industrial equipment has been rising, so the, 
there is replacement need. It's, it's old. And you know, I think you can say the same thing in most other industries. The, the age of equipment is, is old and need to be replaced. Uh, and we talked about capacity utilization is high, but so is the unemployment is coming down, which suggests there's tightening capacity in, in the non-manufacturing sector. Uh, we know corporate profits, both in manufacturing and non-manufacturing, are at record levels and growing rapidly. So we know firms have lots of cash. Um, we know the banks want to lend. Uh, there are surveys by the Federal Reserve that show that uh, of senior lending officers suggesting that they want to lend, that they're reducing their their uh, uh, lending requirements and, and trying to make more cash available or more loans available. Uh, so, uh, you know, all the all the kind of stars are in alignment for a capital spending boom in the United States. It's just it's not happening because of this moderate growth in demand. Uh, and and it's, it's almost like a chicken and egg. So the way you get faster growth in general economy is you get more investment, but you can't get more investment until you get stronger demand growth. But eventually it will work out because the, the pent-up demand, the need to replace, uh, will cause this you know, faster growth in investment, I think, over the next couple of years, which is one of the growth themes for manufacturing, why it's growing faster than the general economy. Dan, I've noticed that uh, manufacturing employment, there's some talk about whether or not it's recovered. And in talking with the manufacturing sector, we're hearing a number like 600,000 current vacant jobs. From your perspective, has manufacturing employment recovered? Um, it, it's, again, just uh, you have to put it in context. So uh, let's go back. Uh, manufacturing employment peaked in 1979, uh, so over 30 years ago. Uh, and more than you know, more than 30 years ago. So uh, it's been drifting down. It, it kind of drifts down, uh, and it goes down in recessions a lot. Then it kind of moves back up, and then the next recession, it, and it goes down a lot. And so you get this stair-step pattern. Um, so the, in the last cycle, in the 2001 recession, uh, manufacturing uh, lost uh, three million jobs and did not get a single job back in the recovery. Uh, so, and then coming into the 2008-2009 recession, uh, manufacturing lost 2.3 million jobs, but we have recovered uh, 680,000 jobs. So, uh, in this last cycle, uh, we lost 2.3. We're up up uh, in the uh, recovery by um, 680,000. Just rounded off to 700,000. So we're still down. 1.6 million jobs in manufacturing compared to what we were back in December of 2007. So the good news is that we're actually adding jobs, which we didn't do coming out of the 2001 recession. Uh, the bad news is we're still down 1.6 million jobs uh, in the cycle. So uh, and I guess the other good news is that we seem to be adding jobs a month, not uh, not consistent month to month, but you know, over the like a three-month moving average, we're adding more manufacturing jobs. Uh, so we we have a spurt for a month, and then it flattens out, and we spurt again. But so we're adding manufacturing jobs. If you want to look at the growth rate, um, the the general economy uh, is is adding about uh, uh, 1.8 uh, percent in terms of jobs uh, every year on an annual basis. And manufacturing is adding about eight tenths of percent 
so every on a, as a we had eight tenths percent in terms of job growth. The general economy is adding about uh, 1.8% uh, in terms of job growth. So, the, again, the good news is manufacturing is adding jobs. Uh, the general economy has to add jobs or we wouldn't have any growth because, now I mentioned before, growth is income-based. you got new people with new incomes. 1%, 1.8% new people with new incomes added to the, uh, to the economy uh, constantly on, on an annual basis. Um, for manufacturing, it's, uh, it is recovering, but quite frankly, without a renaissance, given the, the fact that manufacturing productivity grows uh, substantially faster than productivity in the general economy, um, it's unlikely that manufacturing would recover all those jobs that were lost. Uh, this, uh, the other 1.6 million, uh, it, it may recover another uh, 600,000, but it would be difficult to get another 1.6 million before the next recession hits. Okay, and we're going to take a quick commercial break here, and then we're going to come back and uh, finish up with Dan Nextroth, who's Vice President and Chief Economist at Mayfi. So let's take a, uh, a 60 or 90 second commercial break, and we'll be right back with Manufacturing Talk Radio. American Crane and Equipment Corporation in Douglasville, Pennsylvania, is a leader in specialized cranes, hoists, and material handling equipment for industries including aerospace, nuclear, oil and gas, transit, construction, and waste handling. Call 877-877-6778 or visit AmericanCrane.com. That's AmericanCrane.com or 877-877-6778. S&H Rubber is a manufacturing company in Fullerton, California. We specialize in custom-molded, extruded, and stamped rubber parts. If your next job requires a rubber part, we would appreciate the opportunity to quote on it. We serve aerospace, automotive, and many other industries. We work with many types of rubber, including silicone, EPDM, neoprene, uninitrile, and viton. Our quality system is ISO and AS9100 approved. Over our 47 years in business, the S&H brand has become known for superior quality, quick turnaround, and competitive pricing. Please check out our website at www.shrubber.com or call 714-525-0277. Let S&H be your ceiling solution. All Metals and Forge Group is an ISO 9001 AS and EN 9100 manufacturer of open die forgings and seamless rolled rings in alloy, carbon, stainless and tool steels, aluminum, copper, titanium, and nickel alloys. Visit us at steelforge.com or call 800-600-9290. We're back with Manufacturing Talk Radio with uh, Dan Mextra, who is with Maypie and Lou Eyes, All Metals and Forge Group. Uh, Lou, you had a question before the break for Dan, and I want to get back to that. Um, uh, what was yeah, the question the, for him? Yeah, the question that I was uh, leaning towards uh, regarding the 1.6 million uh, job deficits. Due to the fact that uh, we are so highly uh, technologically uh, been altered in this country, 
Um, how many of those jobs of the 1.6 million will never come back because the jobs have been taken up by machines and not uh, foreign countries? Dan? Well, that's the reason for the um, the stronger growth in productivity and manufacturing than other right. other sectors of the economy. Is that uh, in manufacturing, it's it's relatively easy to to add machinery uh, to automate. So. Um, you, know, you can think of service workers where it's, it's I'm not saying it can't be done. It can. If, if, the, you know, if labor was more expensive in the service sector, they would do it. But um, that it's relatively difficult to add uh, capital, to add equipment to replace people, to make them more productive. Um, and, and productivity is not bad. I mean, it's actually, if you didn't have productivity, your standard of living would not rise. Because it's the same thing to say that you can buy more goods and services with your income as to say you can produce more goods and services with the same level of, of hours, uh, the same number of hours. That's, they're both the same. The standard of living and productivity are the same thing. They mean the same thing. So it's, it's good that you can get productivity improvement in manufacturing. It frees up resources that can go to other sectors. We would not have the medical care uh, establishment that we have today if it wasn't uh, the fact that we didn't need as many manufacturing workers because you just there would not be enough, not enough people. So, uh, it's uh, so the the fact that manufacturing uh, productivity is easier to get through capital investment. Um, you know, it it would require manufacturing to grow substantially faster than the general economy over a long period of time to require. Uh, a substantial amount of new manufacturing workers that says that the total would rise. So I, I do think of that as 1.6 million that, were, that we have not, we have not uh, and of course these are never the same people, that, that have not been replaced or have not been absorbed uh, in manufacturing, that, that we could get at 600,000 more back. So we had, had 680,000 already uh, of growth in manufacturing from the, from the trough. We could get another 600,000, but it's difficult to see that you're going to get much beyond that. Uh, that, that, that won't, you won't get back that other million that will be permanently lost to other industries. Because those people aren't going to stay around. They're going to, you know, after a few months, you got to you got to find a job somewhere. So they're being absorbed in the service side of the economy, uh, and some will eventually come back to manufacturing if you know when jobs open up, but. Most will not. They'll stay out of manufacturing. Well, there is and a tremendous training going on right now uh, where people have lost their jobs or given up the existing job they had and going into different sectors. So some of them will be absorbed, but we may not know about it because it won't be reflected in the numbers. Now, Dan, is there also a underlying people shortage in this country? I mean, we went through the baby boom cycle, and we went through the baby bust, and now we're kind of in the baby echo. Is there a shortage of people for manufacturing? Uh, there are skills. There are skill shortages, yes. There are skills, specific skill shortages, not general skill shortages yet, but there will be. Uh, so the specific, specific skill shortages um, that we hear about uh, tend to be engineers at the college-educated level, uh, and also uh, welders and machinists, uh, machinists capable of, of uh, using computer-controlled equipment. Uh, so 
those two areas where is where there is a shortage. In terms of general uh, assembly labor, no, there's no problem. But uh, when you go further down, so the unemployment rate in the, manu in the overall economy is around 6%, 6.1%. Uh, the unemployment rate for manufacturing workers is 5%, well below what it is for the uh, general worker in the economy. Um, but as, as, and the unemployment rate is, being, is dropping uh, pretty quickly. Uh, and most of, the, most of the reason, 60% of the reason for the drop in the unemployment rate uh, is due to demographics, that the baby boom population is entering retirement age and they are leaving uh, leaving the workforce. Uh, the other 40% has, has got to do with, um, you know, the, the, the economy generally. Uh, and those, you know, that, so we're talking about the, the call the participation rate of the labor force. So that, that will come back. But uh, over time, the baby boom, as the baby boom population ages and, and goes into the retirement ages, uh, even if they work longer <laughs> on average, just be, the, the probability that they will work drops dramatically uh, every year after age uh, after age 55. So um, it there is there is going to be a labor shortage in the United States. Probably will hit you know hit most all uh, occupations by by 2017 2018. Uh, we'll see dramatically a very low unemployment uh, in the United States and. Uh, we'll, we will have widespread labor shortages. Wow, that's uh, interesting. As a matter of fact, I myself am going to have to go back and listen to this show because you shared so much information. I feel like we've just kind of scratched the tip of the iceberg here, Dan. Uh, I really appreciate you being on the show. Uh, again, the information uh, that is publicly available from MAPI is on their website, which is www.mapi.net. Uh, a lot of Dan's uh, uh, documents are there as well. I've gone through some of them, and uh, he's a featured writer for them. Uh, Dan, I'd like to extend an invitation for you to come back on the show in the not-too-distant future and, and go into some more of this in a little more depth because there's a lot here that we didn't even begin to talk about. Thanks for being on the okay. show. Okay, you're welcome. Uh, Dan, uh, thank you, thank you as well. And uh, Tim, I'd like to just announce that uh, our next week's uh, guest is going to be Linda Dempsey. She's vice president of international economic affairs of the National Association of Manufacturers, the largest uh, manufacturers association in the country. I think they have about twelve thousand member uh, companies. So we're excited to have her on the show. And uh, I know that we're going to be talking about uh, uh, manufacturingday.com uh, because they're one of the sponsors of it. So it should be an uh, interesting conversation and learning more about what's going on uh, in Manufacturing uh, Day, uh, which is really more than a day. It's really the month of October. So um, we look forward to having her on. And, uh, Dan, again, I thank you very much for joining us today and hope to have you on our show again in the future. I certainly look forward to uh, Linda's comments. Uh, Lou is going to be doing a remote with us next week, and one of uh, the subjects that I hope we get into next week with Linda Dempsey is the reauthorization of the Export-Import Bank, and Lou is going to be in Brazil, so he will be talking to us from there, and it will be kind of an interesting perspective from 
uh, South America and North America and the Export-Import Bank. I want to thank all of our listeners for tuning in, and we'll speak with you next week on Manufacturing Talk Radio. You've been listening to Manufacturing Talk Radio, the only show that takes a look at the obstacles and opportunities open to small to mid-sized enterprises to manufacture right here in America. With your hosts, Tim Grady and Lou White, it's brought to you by All Metals and Forge Group. talk about your family business you know that thing you put your whole life's blood sweat and tears into well what happens when you retire or try and pass that business on to your children at succession strategies we can help you find the answers we'll guide you through the unsettling process of protecting your family legacy and successfully passing your business on to the next generation safely and securely ensuring that it'll both survive and thrive for generations to come. So ask yourself just one question. Can I really afford to wait? Take the first step. Take our complimentary self-assessment at SuccessionStrategies.com or call us at 714-560-9022 to set up a free consultation at your convenience. That's Succession-Strategies.com. It takes 12 years to create a graduate. It takes about the same time to create a dropout. And at the end of the day, the difference between a child becoming one or the other could be you. So United Way is asking you to make a pledge. Tutor a child who needs help. Mentor a kid who needs someone on their side. Volunteer to read the children. Because when a child advances, we all advance. Be a reader. Tutor or mentor. Give. Advocate. Volunteer. Live United. Take the pledge now at liveunited.org. Brought to you by United Way and the Ad Council. From NPR News in Washington, I'm Lakshmi Singh. President Obama will deliver a primetime speech to the nation tomorrow night at 9 Eastern about the Islamic State, the name taken by Sunni extremists in Iraq and Syria and widely deemed more radical than al-Qaeda. Before he addresses the public, Obama will update congressional leaders within hours about his plan, one that, as NPR's Juana Summers reports, a top House Republican says he is eager to hear. House Speaker John Boehner says he's been calling for President Obama to outline a strategy to fight ISIS since January. Uh, What I'm hoping to hear from the president today is a strategy uh, that uh, goes after uh, ISIS and, uh, and destroys them. When pressed for what he wants to see, whether it's ground troops or airstrikes in Syria, Boehner said he was waiting to hear the president's strategy. But he added that he believes the problem extends well beyond Iraq and Syria. Juana Summers, NPR News, the Capitol. Convicted terrorism conspirator Jose Padilla will now have to serve 21 years in prison instead of the 17-year sentence initially handed down. Today, a federal judge in Miami resentenced Padilla following a ruling by an appeals court that he should have faced tougher punishment for his 2007 conviction in which he was accused of supporting al-Qaeda. The new sentence stems from legal wrangling over whether Padilla should have been credited the more than three years he was held without charge as an enemy combatant and the threat he posed. 
Padilla is a former Chicago gang member. He was accused of plotting to detonate a radioactive dirty bomb, but was never charged with that. Vice President Joe Biden is wading into the firing of an NFL player after a video emerge of the player knocking out his then fiance. NPR's Perry Johnson reports the remarks come near the 20th anniversary of the Violence Against Women Act. The vice president says the National Football League likely acted to punish Baltimore Raven player Ray Rice because there are so many female fans. In an interview with NBC, Joe Biden says more people are sensitive to violence directed at women. And then when the video was out there and saw how brutal it was, the Ravens did the right thing, fired him immediately. Now, you can argue they should have done it sooner, uh, they didn't want it, whatever the reason is, it's happening. As a senator, Biden helped pass the Violence Against Women Act back in 1994. He says the law helps people understand one case is too many. Carrie Johnson, NPR News, Washington. Record rainfall and flooding in Arizona and other parts of the southwestern U.S. are blamed for at least two deaths and leaving many drivers stranded. As much as four feet of water was reported in the Phoenix area. More rain is in the forecast. The National Weather Service says the remnants of Hurricane Norbert could linger through tonight. Dow is down 72 points at 17,043. This is NPR News. A recent surge in the amount of carbon dioxide has pushed greenhouse gases in the atmosphere to their highest level ever. NPR's Christopher Joyce reports on the latest findings from the World Meteorological Organization. Carbon dioxide, or CO2, is the foremost of several gases that contribute to the warming of the atmosphere. Scientists at the Meteorological Organization in Geneva report that levels of CO2 rose more between 2012 and 2013 than during any other year since 1984. To put that in historical context, the scientists point out that CO2 in the atmosphere is now 142% of what it was before the modern industrial era started in the mid-18th century. Other greenhouse gases such as methane and nitrous oxide are also well above previous levels. Atmospheric scientists point out that while these gases trap heat in the atmosphere, much of that heat has been absorbed by the oceans. However, that's causing the oceans to become more acidic. Christopher Joyce, NPR News. Britain's top political rivals are skipping their weekly showdown in Parliament to make appeals to Scotland to reject independence. Prime Minister David Cameron and Britain's main opposition leader, Ed Miliband, will travel separately but will issue a promise to Scots ahead of a September 18th referendum that they will get more autonomy if they vote no to independence. Israel has fired a missile over the Mediterranean Sea to test a defense system designed to intercept long-range rockets. The defense ministry statement today comes within weeks of an announced ceasefire between Israel and Gaza's Hamas, both sides engaged in more than a month of conflict. I'm Lakshmi Singh, NPR News in Washington. It takes 12 years to create a graduate. It takes about the same time to create a dropout. And at the end of the day, the difference between a child becoming one or the other could be you. So United Way is asking you to make a pledge. Tutor a child who needs help. Mentor a kid who needs someone on their side. Volunteer to read to children. Because when a child advances, we all advance. Be a reader. Tutor or mentor. Give. Advocate. Volunteer. Live United. Take the pledge now at liveunited.org. Brought to you by United Way and the Ad Council. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.